Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight, we're joined by Rob Stone, who's going to come and hang out with us. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's been some, I guess, oh, wait, Rob got muted again. <laughs> uh, there was some crazy stuff going on all over the, uh, the Facebook today that I'm sure we'll touch on at some point, but, uh, you know, we're just going to hang out, talk about, I'm sure Owen wants to pick Rob's brain about, uh, rhino rat snake since he's a rhino rat snake owner now. Even though Ow. he just has to go back into the archives and listen to the two shows. And listen to the shows. But this is so much easier. <laughs> Rhino I just make Rob regurgitate everything he's ever told us again. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we're not that way. But, uh, so yeah, I, I thought it would be cool. Uh, me and Rob talk on the phone all the time and have some pretty interesting conversations. And I thought, uh, why not, you know. Have them on do air. It, do it on air. <laughs> so... So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're not really talking about any set thing, but uh, I guess the one thing I'll say before we get into and see how you guys are doing is um, calendar contest closes tonight. Yep. Uh, So uh, I guess after this show, uh, the contest will officially be closed. If you're listening to this on podcast, you've missed it. It's over. Don't (laughs) run over and try to. Because I know a lot of you guys like stream this stuff the, like the next day on their way to work. Do not attempt to enter. It is too late. If it is not Tuesday, contest is closed. Yes. Yes. So. So. Uh, so I don't know what's going on, Owen. I'm waiting for my last clutch to hatch, and it's like I I I I know when they're due, but it's seems to be taking for freaking ever so it's like and they're not due for another like two weeks but it's like this has been annoying and i guess it's because it's the one clutch i really really want so that's kind of what's cooking um what is the clutch it's a it's my pos super caramel to an exanic so super caramel to an exanic okay so I have a lot riding on it is that I could finally, I could prove out my super caramel as a super caramel and I could get a bunch of little head exanic caramel babies, which is what I want. So, you know, and the clutch has been a bear since it was laid. Uh, it's their first clutch. So a lot of them were infertile. A few of the eggs went downhill or were those slugs in disguise where they look like perfect eggs. And then they just like dent in and get moldy within like a week and just die. Um, a lot of those have happened. So I started with like 10 and now I'm only down to four eggs that are still riding the thing and going the distance. So, uh, hoping for all four 
and uh, that'll be nice. Um, and uh, other than that, dude, I am testing out my brand new light tent, and I took a ton of pictures of all the babies that I had for sale, plus a bunch of my holdbacks. And then I realized that the website is so out of date; it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god, oh shit! I never got pictures of that male. Well, he sired his third clutch with me. I guess I should put him on the website. It's like, you know, I guess he's earned a picture. So I'm actually contemplating how to get pictures of my adults. Because I used to just shove them into a bucket. And it was it, it was a quick, easy, dirty way of getting pictures of them. And, mm-hmm. But I want something better. So I'm actually thinking, contemplating breaking my cardinal rule and going outside and taking pictures of the snakes outside. In the light tent? In, not in the light tent because they're too big for the light tent. But I'm like taking my adults and like setting them up on something outside so they get like sunlight and just taking their pictures. I'm thinking about it. Uh, there's a lot of things that have stopped me from doing that in the past. One is I don't want my neighbors to lose their minds when an olive python is squirming around my backyard. Um, and then the other part is that I don't trust what the hell is outside. So, yeah. Oh, like meaning, I don't know if the hell that would affect anything. I, I, I don't think it would I hurt them. I don't think there would be any kind of a parasite or anything like that that would really mess with them. But I also know it's me and I'd be like, oh, cool. It was a great shot. Let me put the camera, turn around. Snake's gone. Then he'd be like, oh shit. So, you know, that's another thing that would happen. So. I noticed that your backgrounds are white and mine is yes. black. So I do that on purpose. I so kind of figured as much. I don't want to copy you. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like sitting there and I'm like, well, Eric does black. You can't do black. And this thing came with a bunch of different colors. And yeah. one of them is like red. And I'm like, well, I could do red. Nah, I don't know what that's going to do to the color of the animal. So I just went with white. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> so that reminds me of a time long ago. When I'm gonna play a clip. No, no, Rod. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I'm gonna play a clip only because. Rod actually... showed you how to do it. <laughs> this is this reminds me of of the difference. I don't want. Yeah. Pretty pricey. Yeah. Depends on the size, but yeah, they can get up there too. It's one of those things that we just decided to do. <laughs> right. You want to do it? Do it. <laughs> yeah, I try. I got I got high high end snakes living in the slums and uh, Owen's got well not <laughs> easy easy. I was gonna say Owen's got low end snakes living in the high. Owen's got shit living in good cases. Oh, that's not oh. all right. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Owen. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. <laughs> You left yourself open. Nope, nope, you you nope, knew that was coming. Nope. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, first off, that is one of my favorite clips because you're talking <laughs> and you're saying, and then you realize where it could go, and you're like, "Well, I don't mean to say." So it's like, yeah, you and I both realized where where it could go at the same time. So yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, I really said that out loud. I guess yeah, I gotta I, own it. That's <laughs> shit and break cages. Yeah, it's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> nice. Uh, not now, I though, like man. my collection. Jesus. 
Oh man, that's spent the rest of my I've spent the rest of my herpticulture life now improving my collection to the point where you actually have to give it, you know, props now. You know, oh, dude, your collection's top notch. What are you talking about? You I don't know. About. It's, you know. Living in nice cages, but I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering how I was going to fit that in, but the lights. Well, and it just went perfectly. You just perfect. rolled yeah. right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What do you want to talk about, fellas? Uh, I got a couple things on the list. You know, at some point during this conversation, Rob, I wanted to pick your brain on how many mice you would need to make 200 babies a week. <laughs> 200 babies a week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How many mice? Um, yeah. Let me think about that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that's your because that's what you're looking at for this next season, Eric. Yeah, I, so what I did today is I sat down and I started to calculate, you know, based off of the pairings, uh, the average clutch size, um, you know, what that's going to equate to in a food bill, and what that's going to equate in a uh, uh, caging wise, and all that kind of stuff, and incubator space and all all those different scenarios so that incubator you're space, ready. You, you calculated the square footage of your incubator? <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that's what he's kind of I'm like, he's a well, guy like it fits several bins and the egg the comforts <laughs> of an egg. Like, how deep did we go here? <laughs> well, he actually just put tennis balls in there to figure it out. Oh, there. That was even better. Yeah. So, well, the reason that I did is because if you uh, have an incubator and you're going to have uh, say 20 clutches and you don't have enough space for 20 clutches then you're screwed you know what I mean so well, that's what I was looking at but you're the king of maternal incubation if you have a thing for 28 20 uh if you have an incubator that can house 20 clutches and you have 22 clutches guess what just leave two with mom yeah, that'll that'll be what eventually will push me to do maternal incubation is I will run out of the room in the incubator. So yeah, that's true. But you always kind of want to be prepared, you know. So I, I'm just like Good mapping point. it out, like what what you would what I would need, so to speak, in order to make that happen. So right, if I when I looked at you know uh, when I was looking at the price of how much it would cost um, to like and going off of uh, the cost for rodents currently, you know, because I use hoppers. Mm-hmm. So trying to figure out, let me see if I can pull it up. Trying to figure out like what that would equate to as far as what I would need Breed to set up a breeding colony. Well, I mean, let's see. So if I had three hundred. And 50 babies, let's say, you know, um, you're looking at, you know, 350 to somewhere between 200, 350 um, hoppers a week. Oh, no, every right. two weeks, every two weeks, right? Right. Um, so how many rodents would you need in order to, you know, make that happen? Sure. Well, yeah, I think that's probably... Go ahead, Owen. I mean, the other thing you also have to factor in is that uh, mice are born at, like pinkies, and then it takes them time to grow up into hopper. So, yeah. 
how long is that going to take that grow up period? And that might make it that you may have to include, you may need more mice in that to, to take up the slack as this group grows up their babies and the other group well, just has babies. So it's like, it's almost, you almost want to stagger it. These babies are ready to be harvested and these babies are just being born. I would not start it the week before they were going to hatch. <laughs> I know that. I'm just, God damn it. I quit. So <laughs> I would hope that it would be going before that. You know what I mean? I, so I, I know what you're my, saying. And I thought about that. Like you can't just, uh, you need some, I don't know what the time is from what, from go to a pinky to a hopper. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Rob, right? How long? Yeah, a weeks. it's going to be, you know, uh, sub two weeks, but in that, yeah. you know, 10 to 14 day range is going to be probably where you're wanting wanting them to be. Gotcha. Okay. Because they wean at 21, so they're yes. kind of getting into that small size at 21. And that's, okay. uh, you know, that's timed with the cycle of those females. So typically right when they're weaning some, that's when they're, uh, so they'll get bred again, right, right as soon as they give birth. And then they wean, you know, then they feed those for that 21 days. And then right when those are weaned, that's when they're going to have that next litter, especially those, the males, male mice grow faster than female mice. So they're going to be, maybe those are weaning at 18, you know, somewhere in that 18 to 20 day. And then your females take a little bit longer um, to wean. So, yeah, I mean, and then they'll have another litter right away. But you're then looking at another ten days or so before they're where you're, you know, where you want them to be. I would think you could probably get away with as little as twenty tubs if you're doing like one male and four females. That should cover what you need. So that's only like what four levels. That's not even half a rack if you're doing like the freedom breeder style. Um, and in terms of cost savings, man, for sure. So half a rack. You're probably going to be doing a bag of food every two weeks that, you know, I don't know what the rate is at your, you know, the feed stores out by you guys, but that's going to be 25 to 30 bucks. You're going to use a quarter of a bag of shavings on that size of a rack, somewhere between a quarter and half. And those are going to be six bucks. So you're probably talking to produce those is going to be 18, 20 bucks. And I'm sure buying 200 hoppers is a lot more than 20 bucks. Uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I did the math, and if you did it, uh, it's two hundred and sixty-five bucks a week. Um, or every other well, week, I guess. In your every, case, every other week, yeah. So that's five. Shit. That's five hundred and sixty-five bucks a month. Um, right. Whereas I'm saying you could produce that easily in your house for forty bucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and not have it be – it would not be a huge deal in terms of the smell. If you're only doing those 20 tubs, that's not going to be a big deal at all. Clean them once a week. You know, they're a little bit different from our stuff, more like the more like your dogs, your darn dogs that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you want to check on the water every day to make right. sure they don't do anything silly like flood themselves out or whatever, but – and add to your reservoir depending on how big that is. The bigger you go, the <laughs> – the worse it is if they flood them out. Um, right. But, uh, you know, you're going to fill your water once a day, and you're going to put, you know, 15 bucks worth of – 12 to 15 bucks worth of food in them a week, and it'll be three or three bucks for shavings, and that's it, man. That and your time, yeah. you know, your time, your time cleaning them, that's probably going to be a half hour. Checking the water is five minutes, so 
it's an hour a week, you know, for that number. I think uh, an hour a week is worth. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot better. Yeah. Worth five hundred bucks, five five yeah. thirty or whatever. <laughs> right, five sixty-five sure. a month. You know, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> these are things that you, you know, if you're going to have, I don't know. I mean, I like to match stuff out, and I guess I had, I'm like super paranoid since the first year I bred. I didn't have an incubator ready and whatnot. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking at the. Um, uh, sea serpents incubator, um, and it take it can hold thirty spots, and that one was fourteen hundred bucks. So, now the incubator you said. What's that? What was yeah. what was it, it was okay. The incubator, you know, like the uh, sea serpent, you know, the one like a tinling has yeah. set up. It's got the cool light yeah. and all that shit, you know. So the sharpie. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. I yeah. heard good things about those heard also um i've heard weird things it's like sometimes the professional run incubator and it can be absolutely amazing like i've heard nothing bad about the sea serpent ones i have heard some stuff about other ones where like it doesn't break like the heat doesn't disperse evenly kind of thing and that might just be one or two incubators that i've heard and that's horror stories but you can get that with a refrigerator built incubator as well it's just you know, knowing what you're looking at, knowing what you're getting. So, but I haven't heard anything. I've heard nothing but good things for sea serpents. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I thought that uh, I guess the responsible thing to do would be like if you're going to do a major amount of uh, breeding, um, mm-hmm. you have to be prepared to take care of the animal. You know, so like I don't know, like if you guys think about those things you're doing like 10 clutches. I don't think it's a major, that's going to be anything major, but I think when you go above 10, it starts to, uh, to get crazy. Yeah. I, I agree. Cause I mean, then you start getting the, even with 10 clutches, you're getting into close to like a hundred something babies. If you, depending on how many eggs you get, um, you know, if I were to ever get, 10 clutches, I think I'd be dead, but you know, it's just, <laughs> so you're getting close to that. So anything more than 10, I think he's really going to start figuring stuff out. I, I tend to get, I think the largest I've got is this year I had like five or six and that put me at the max of baby cages that I've had. Um, to the point where I actually had to sell a few normals quick, real easy, you know, they, they started eating and I let them go for dirt cheap just so I could, open up slots for these last four babies that are coming. So, you know, that, that happens, which is why I'm in the process of redesigning and rebuilding and including a ton more baby cages and stuff like that. I haven't got to the point yet where I would consider breeding rodents because that was my like nine to five for like two years. And I, and I despised it. So it's like, working with rodents, I don't even want to do it anymore, but I am imagining that at one point it may be necessary to at least just grow up, just like start hopper cages at one point or something like that for the season and do what you're talking about doing and just breed litter after litter of hoppers just to help put a dent in the food bill, I guess, or something like that. So I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think I'd ever, Go ahead, Rob. Oh, and I, my um, my question. So, is at the lab? Did they use racks or did they use the 
the individual cages with those little grill lids on them? It depends. It, it was depending on what the room, each room was, they, they, they packed as many cages as they could into a room. So if the room could have it all, uh, they usually put the stainless steel shelves all along the walls and then you had the individual cages on the shelves, but then they would also put shelving units in the middle and they would put them on either side. So it was like almost an Island of, uh, shelves. So that was pretty much it. Other places and other rooms that couldn't do the around the like weird shaped room or it wasn't really that big. They'd have one singular rack in the middle and normally those were in what's called plumbed rooms, which is you had the auto sure. water systems for the rack. I don't like that stuff, man. But yeah. okay, fair enough. So, so they had that. So it all depends. In some rooms, because also when at, at, at Penn it was, you know, the professors had to pay for space animals and stuff like that. So, you know, you had some rooms where they would get them in there to the point where have you ever been to a library where you had to like crank the shelf to open it up to get it in places. Yeah. So they've had those, but they've removed all the books and they put rodent cages on them. <laughs> so what you would do is I couldn't fit between the two, the gap that was left between the sides. So I'd have to crank the opening so it would get wider, therefore collapsing one side. I'd clean it and then I'd have to crank it back and then had a, a like a default thing that you would push and it would set it. So it would only be like about maybe a foot, maybe less between the, the the gap so that like the rodents could see out or something like that. So yeah, they would sure. pack them in. So uh, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's, that's what bums, you know, bummed out your experience so much. Cause I used to breed them for exotics and yeah, I think the certainly lessons learned, you know, I learned a whole bunch of different things about, you know, breeding rodents. But um, if you certainly the cages are more economical, I mean, they, cost what 15 bucks for a mouse tub or something would be my yeah. advice eric is, is buy buy four levels of a freedom breeder rack or ars rack or whatever um mm-hmm. you can put the the full feeder on in the back and super easy don't go the cheap route which is to get those you know individual cages for 15 bucks because it's it's literally five times as much work and it's got Owen mm-hmm. at this point I mean, he could be a pro, and he <laughs> fucking hates rodents, you know, <laughs> yeah. because because it was so much work. That yeah. and those cages, those those single cages with the wire lids, they are they break down so easily. I mean, just by the yeah, moving and the cleaning and the rusting and all that stuff, to eventually the point where we had these filters that would go on top, and that would just be <laughs> the filter air. And you remove the filter, oh and there's the family of mice sitting on top of the food that's in the hopper because they've squeezed through the bars and are now up front. So it was good having that extra level of security so they couldn't get out. But then you're like, oh, shit. And then they all either run or jump or slide back through the bars. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things. So Spring I would, for the 200 bucks a level, man. Yeah, don't, God damn it. Don't so do it's like, I would like, agree. You got to. <laughs> the, the, the rodent bin. Is that what it is? It's about 200 bucks a level? Yeah. Hmm. That's not bad. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, the casters, what, is probably 40 or 50 bucks to get a set of casters on there. Literally, you could do, you know, that's, if I were you, I'd do four levels, see how it plays out. And if you need an extra level, you can order them separately, not a big deal. Whether it's Freedom Breeder or ARS or any of those things are going to be the same. Just get the mouse tub and I'm telling you, man, it will not be a huge deal. Yeah, you see my place. Where would you recommend setting it up? 
the I shed. I would force so you when you well, I would do when he finishes off that other side and he had yeah. me going back in there to turn off the water that it turned out wasn't back there. Um <laughs> you know, find, find some Christmas boxes or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. um I would just you know, where that where you have that wall separate there, you could even you could get it within a foot or two of that and just leave that opening back there. I think it's it's certainly closed on that other side. Um, if you wanted to get super fancy, you could punch a hole in the wall to put a you know put a vent fan in or something on the side there when it comes out the you know the garage side. Right. Um, but I would just close it off, and I I wouldn't even you know if you left that open space there, you could put your extra chow and stuff chow and bedding and stuff there. I would just you know sacrifice two feet of what you would make the room. And just put an extra little wall there, and I think you're going to be good as gold, man. I think you got plenty of space, and it'll be great. Yeah. yeah. I'll be, that would uh, probably be better than, say, like the sheds, because those are going to get think too hot. I the shed gets too hot. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're going to have to everything. buy an AC if you're, yeah. you know, you're going to buy an AC, you're going to punch a hole in the shed, like, to put the AC because you won't be able to let them just run there. No. You know? So you're going to have to do something about it, and You'll be constantly worried about it, you know, is the other right. thing, too. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know. What, what's the temp that they have to be at? Not 95. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they do best, you know, in terms of getting the production that you're looking for. Ideally, mm-hmm. you're somewhere between 60 and 84, 85. You know, if you're oh, in that okay. range, you should be getting full, full good litters and stuff out of them. So. You know, just not not too cold. They they'll stay alive if it's mm-hmm. you know above freezing. Um, right. But uh, yeah, you try and keep them you know somewhere mid at least mid fifties, um, and they'll still keep producing. If you get much below that, then they just really their fecundity shuts down. You know, they'll still mm-hmm. produce, but it, it'll be not even every three weeks. You might get into a four or five week deal, and you know if you got good mice, man, you can even on first litters get. 12, 14, 16 babies, depending on the line. Um, You'd probably be getting, you're going to be looking at like six every four or five weeks instead of, you know, that 12, probably a 14 average over, you know, three weeks. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really think I'm going to do it just because, like I said, if I, if I even have half of what, you know, I'm shooting which for expect, this yeah. season, yeah. which is usually what, where you get. It's it's still a lot, so. Yeah, no, and I think in terms of having hell, man, you've seen it with uh, with that one little baby is just having a variety of things and have. If you're starting stuff on live, man, I think you'll have a great response, and it'll just be they'll be saying, "Wow, man, this is so much easier." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, I switched over to basically live, um, I guess it was uh, a year ago. Yeah, well, it was the year that I had the albino zebra jags, so maybe it was right. two years ago. But, uh, man, they were sort of a bitch to get going, and uh, just uh, it just happened that um, Matt, you know, he gets rodents every uh, right. Saturday. But even that is a little bit of a pain because, you know, I don't, I don't want to inconvenience Matt. And then, like, you know, he's got these rodents hanging out in his garage. And, like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. our timing didn't work out. And, like, you know, I wouldn't be getting them until Monday. And, you know what I mean? It was just, like, you know. 
And sure. And sizing, I, I do. you know, exact sizing yeah. is a problem. And sure. So. I, I mean, heck, dude, even if you're making your own and freezing them when they're the right size, that's you know half the battle. Sure. Yeah. Where yeah, they're yeah. exactly where you want them, you know, just gas them and then freeze them and do that before you put them in a vacuum sealer. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only make that mistake. Once. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, and I don't. I don't like mean lying. The mouse in the microwave. Insane, you only make that. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, freezing but, first. That's, that's yeah. my advice. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, okay. So yeah, that's kind of like. Uh, you know, that was something that I had on the list to uh, chat about, but now that we've got that out of the way. So, I, oh, and I'm curious to hear your uh, your thoughts on this. Me and Rob mm. kind of already talked about it. Okay. <laughs> you, you know what I'm going to talk I'm about. I'm prepped. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. So, there was a post. Uh, I guess it was in the Carpet Python discussion uh, group. Um, and then we talked about it on the uh, chat, and basically uh, it's over in Europe, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. That's where these shows are. Yeah. The UK, yeah. UK. That they're no longer going to allow uh, jags or spiders, ball pythons, uh, to be sold. And there was a shows. leopard gecko too, but I have no yeah, idea what that one is. Leopard gecko. Yeah. Thank it's you. It's the sort of same sort of ballpark. Yeah. Got it. So, I don't know. Go ahead, Owen. You, you, All right. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's weird because I, I, I like, we, we lived through this crap, or at least I did, when the MP was just full of people trying to figure out what to do with Jags. And it was like all the breeders that, like, were breeding them at the time were all on uh, MP, and they were all discussing, they were all talking about it, and you know, this one said, call them all. This one said, oh, my Jags don't have Nero. And this one's like, you know, uh, this is a real issue. Maybe with outbreeding, it'll stop. And it was all this stuff, all this stuff. And we, 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 we kind of got to a point now where we've realized, and it's finally been hammered home, that every Jag has it. It's not going to go away without crossing. And that they can live full and healthy lives with the Nero and not have a problem or they can do it every three minutes and totally lose and, and have a terrible quality of life. So it's kind of like the, I'm pleased at one end of my kind of weird animal thinking brain. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I could totally get that is that they do have a neurological disorder and you don't want to sell it. And, you know, maybe you don't want it there. And, having a Jag going wonky in the middle of a show. I mean, we've all seen it and I guess we're just more used to it than some other people. So I totally get it. Same thing goes with spider and all that other stuff. The other part of me is like, well, wait, even if they show no signs of Nero and even if, I mean, there's a lot of Jag has been mixed into a lot of animals. So you kind of got to figure that out too. It's not just like, Oh, no pure coastal Jags anymore. It is any Jaguar. And any spider, that's a lot of morphs and other things that will now be totally excluded from this particular show. Now, 
having said that, it is completely the showrunner's right to totally do this. So, do I agree with it? Eh, I'm on the fence. I'm much more in the whole thing of that if people know what they're getting into with a JAG, which, you know, that's your responsibility as a breeder to make sure that they do, it's really not that big of a deal. But then, on the other hand, is that nobody wants to see a wonky JAG, and it's the show can do whatever the hell it wants. It can tell you, it, it could come out next week and say there is no, we're not going to allow any rainbow boas at the show. And anybody who's got a rainbow boa cannot bring it to the show. And that is the show's prerogative. And if you don't like it, don't go to the show. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, dude, there was, I, I, I've had people that have bought Jags from other people and have come to me saying that they were, they didn't know it was going to do that stuff or they were unaware. I've had people who will stand up on their soapbox at my table and tell them, tell me that their collection never includes Jags because they feel it's unnatural and unhealthy and we're terrible people for continuing to breed them. Um, Meanwhile, they have no corn syrup. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're walking around with scaleless Texas rat snakes and a deli cup. So, you know, it's like, so again, there's, there's, there's tons of this stuff. And I would like, the, but it's also the prerogative of the breeder and the keeper and who wants to do what. That's all their, that's their freaking decision. So if we started hacking away at things like, are we going to start banning albino alligators because when they get older they do go blind you know uh scaleless snakes are they going to go out the door there's a bunch of different stuff with that which could theoretically you could make the same argument for for on the same basis of why you ban the jags so i don't know again shows prerogative they can do whatever the hell they want i went to a show once that actually told me that it was against the rules to allow anybody to touch any reptile you had to i could touch it I could show it to you, and then when you bought it, I had to put it into a hard plastic container, and then you could take it home. Huh. Needless to say, I stopped doing that show. But it's okay. like, you know, <laughs> I did it once and was like, this is bullshit. So it's like, so what was it, the, again. What was the purpose of that rule? Well, somebody the, uh, the show. No, somebody the show about before that one got uh was holding a pop one and the pop one took a chunk out of it of the person wow. gotcha. and then the show got sued so well yeah but it's like but what i don't understand is that a lot of shows just have like a little piece of paper by the front door that says by buying sure. a ticket you understand that you're going to get you could get bit scratched and everything like that and you're completely done it doesn't matter you automatically assume all this by buying a ticket but you know, sure. I've seen... yeah, you'd think they'd have a good reliability waiver in place. But thank uh, you. Well, yeah, who knows like if I they did or not? But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I do this for a living and know what you should say. But it's like, but that's what they did, and that was that was the worst turnout of a show I've seen, and none of the vendors were pleased. So all sorts of stuff. But anyway, um, I mean, that I being said, I, Eric's I, so high end, he won't let touch people touch his snakes anyway. But you know, I, you know what? When Eric, when we're at Tinley and Eric like leaves the table, I open up all his bins and just poke every single one of his snakes with my <laughs> unholy hands. So you know that's. <laughs> but uh, 
it, it's um, – uh, but here's the thing is that this isn't a new thing because doesn't Tinley Park not allow uh, imported animals or uh, – they do, but don't they try to dress it up as that it's not – they don't allow the big dealers or something like that? I don't know. I thought it was. I think basically they walk around. If anything looks terrible, they just say, you know, that typically if they're seeing it, it sounds like you guys a handful of years before I came with you had some neighbors who maybe had some terrible stuff, although maybe that was caging focused. But, that was. you know, I think stuff slips through. But um, I think mostly it's just them walk, you know, Potter and whomever he sends out walking by and saying, hey, that's just, no, man, that doesn't look good. Yeah. And I and I've seen like uh, I was at a show once where and I was not vending I was just attending, but the guy had a ball python in a salad container and it was not in a good way, and the the at the point where customers potential customers are pointing out that this ball python is not in a good way, and he said yeah. oh yeah well you know it's just doing its thing and he took took it and he put it underneath the table and I assume it died underneath the table and I was at a large three day pet expo where they had an alligator that was not doing well either. And it's, it, you, you, unfortunately you see that stuff. And the only thing you can do is hope that they report it to the promoters and, you know, or call some other type of animal. Uh, yeah. You hate to do that. I just hope that it, you know, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just, it's a bummer for everybody, you know, not, it is. not the least of which is the animal involved, you know? Yeah. But we're kind of getting into the place now where we're going to try to outrule or ban or, or, or exclude certain reptiles from things because of the, the, the wonkiness of it being a captive, born and bred designer animal. So, yeah, Jags got here and Jags have the wobble, so does Spider. But then again, like, are we going to start weighing in on scaleless animals? Uh different types of albino animals. It's like, where does the argument go now from here? So I don't know. Because what would yeah, be I kind mean, of normal to me is it. What's that? Yeah. I'm saying no, normal I'm just... to me is a jag, but I don't, and I don't have any scaleless animals because they freak me out and I don't like it. But somebody who does scaleless rat snakes might not like how a jag corkscrews and that might be freaky to him. So it's weird. So, Sure. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that's what Eric and I were talking about earlier, where it was like, you know, I know you're, you're, this, you know, puts too fine a point on it more so than I mean, but you don't like the scale of stuff, but you obviously like drag stuff. I'm probably, mm-hmm. I guess, on the other end, I'm mostly a natural form kind of guy. I, admittedly, I like the prettiest ones that we can find, you know, so mm-hmm. that's maybe not slightly, uh, slightly unnatural. Um, but I think the, you know, I'm, I don't mind the scale of stuff just because it happens in a whole ton of different species. You know, we're talking about it and I was saying, yeah, I'd probably be more likely, I don't have any of it either way, but I'd be more likely to have a scaleless, you know, scaleless corn or scaleless Everglades rat, um, than I would be to have a jag carpet python. But that you know, that's just my taste. It's no, it's no different. You know, it's not, it's not a value judgment at all. And realistically, you know, he's probably in the middle. But we look at that, and I was telling him, I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess I theoretically would be more open to a scaleless corn snake unless they created it by breeding it to those scaleless Everglades rats. 
you know, I'm not sure if those were actually, if that gene popped up in corns or if they bred it to something else. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, then I just wouldn't keep it because they had, you know, hybridized it between an Everglades rat and a corn. <laughs> I, you know, I'd be fine with it being okay. tailors, but I wouldn't keep it because it was a hybrid, you know, hybridized, even if it was just whatever, you know, 6.75%, something like that. You know, we always talk about the 88% Jags, but it's like, even if you want a generation further and it was turned out it was a hybrid, well, then I'd be off the table, whereas the scale is, well, it's definitely a single gene mutation that we see in all sorts of species, so maybe that's not such a huge deal to me, but I totally understand, you know, being fine with a JAG and not being happy with a scaleless thing. And we talked about it and said, well, what's the, I guess my biggest question mark with the JAGs, the spiders, the enigma, the leopard geckos, these sorts of things, is it's, I think at this point there's sort of, I guess on the board, there was someone who was assuming that these snakes are in pain or these geckos are in pain. And there's just absolutely, as far as I know, no evidence for that. Could we, are we just anthropomorphizing those animals and saying, well, it looks like he's corkscrewing. If I was doing that as a person, then I would feel uncomfortable. All these sorts of things. Is that what they're basing that upon? And if it is, it's like, well, that's, that's silly. That doesn't mean anything. We we genuinely don't know. And unfortunately, you know, they can't communicate it to us, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's basically what he and I came up, came up with. Yeah. And I think that's basically your, your take too, is I don't know. The show has the, certainly the show has the right to do it. I think their biggest, you know, the biggest issue that the, the poster was facing or people who had those things and are in the UK, my understanding from the post is that that IHS, basically runs all the shows in Britain. I guess they just have the, basically those three herb shows and that's it. So if yeah. they're prohibiting that sale, you know, that's that's a bigger deal than it would be here if, say, Repticon had the same thing. Well, you just say, okay, fine, but Repticon doesn't even do shows in PA or whatever it might be. Yeah. It, it would be – I could see where that could mess it up because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, you know, what my table would look like minus all jags and that's like that's it's a lot of animals i mean that'd be that would pretty much knock me down to straight just caramel and normal coastal so that would be be a little weird so it's one of those things like you said we don't know i've seen jags or i've hatched jags that be that couldn't even like slither straight they would just roll around the cage and uh, I did not allow them to go any further than, you know, hatching and maybe their first sheds. And then if it didn't really correct itself, I don't want to let that out there. So, and also they couldn't really feed and all that other stuff. So I called them, but when it comes down to other Jags, I have, we, we have some that you never see them do the Nero unless they're in very, very high stressful situations. And the problem is that a show is a very stressful situation for an animal. So, of course, they're all going to Nero on you. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, again, it's everybody's comfort level, and it's everybody's. So, you know, that's apparently the people who make the decisions just all agreed or all have the – don't have the taste for Jags. So nothing you can really do about it, unfortunately. Sure. And I mean, it, it is something that happens. I was telling Eric that, you know, I myself had a male cocci that uh, had the same sort of a deal. And it was actually mm-hmm. one of those missing pattern ones. This is not to say that all the missing pattern ones 
have this trait, but I do kind of wonder, as he and I were talking through it, I was thinking, hey, maybe this is actually the Jag gene just expressed in something that's only a red and then usually a black racing stripe critter so that you, you know, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't take on the same look as a spider or a jag, but it might actually be the same, affecting that same gene um, in cocci as it is, you know, the jag gene in carpets is affecting the development of the neural crest. So I had some funky cocci and they were produced by my male funky cocci that would, you know, you kind of flip them over and it takes them a long time to flip back over and it's just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, has a uh, a willingness to be upside down that you don't typically see. Um, all those sorts of things. And guess what? Half of his babies came out like that. Hmm. Huh. Incomplete dominant, <clears throat> dominant gene. You yeah, know, it sounds sort of yeah. question, you know. Um, but uh, it happens in all, all this different stuff. I mean, obviously, it's a gene that we're seeing across different species with different either phenotypic expressions in terms of saying, whoa, there's a jag carpet. That looks pretty cool. You know, you got this pattern lightning, but in a cocci, it might just be, yeah, there's a little bit of a reduction of the black on the neck there. Um, and it's one thing to say, you know, he and I then got into the, the whole difference, right, between kind of inbreeding depression associated with the jag or with the, the granites and things versus this. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I saw clearly, a genetic a genetic inheritance to what I was seeing, but at the same time, just like the rough scales, right? The cocci, yeah. I think that was from four or five, six founder animals, right? That all went to Klaus. So it's it's a very small gene pool, and so if you have any deleterious trait, man, you're, yes, you're bringing that stuff together, and it's gonna it's gonna pop up. So the point then becomes that you need to do what you're talking about, where if you see stuff that has a problem, that you you know that you do not, at a minimum, do not incorporate that into future breedings. But I was glad to at least test it out and see and then, you know, know, know what I had there, right? I have an adult male, and guess what? I started using different adult males. Yeah. I mean, it. there's – I just got to go for that stuff, but – yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, you know, my biggest thing is, you know, I've said this a million times, you vote with your dollar. So if you don't like the idea that a show is doing whatever, then just don't go, you know. And, and if, if they they make a decision, I guess if they lose money or whatever, um, that's on them. Uh, they'll have to make a call on whether or not that that was the right call or not, you know. I mean, you know, we I do I experience those kind of things all the time. You know, you move something in a in a supermarket, and you know people are complain, and then at that point, it's whether or not they want to continue to shop there or not. You know what I mean? So like, and sometimes you do things, and you're like, well, that clearly was dumb because that's certain business, and then you you know you change it back, or you know, or or if it's something that you really you know believe in, then you stick with it, and you know the people that um, you know, believe what you believe will respect the fact of what you're doing. So you can apply that to anything, and especially in this situation. You know, if you believe that for whatever reason that the jag is a, is a bad thing or the spider or whatever, then you know that's your call. the the the, the thing the thing the thing that 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 I find interesting is that where like you guys are saying is like where we all draw the line. You know, some people draw the line here, some people draw the line there, you know, it's, it's no different than like, uh, you know, uh, hybrids or, 
you know, like, it's like, oh, I won't breed a green tree to a rough scale, but I breed a green tree that, uh, to a carpet and that's okay. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hmm, okay. I, I don't follow, like your thinking doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense to me because if you thought that this was okay, what, what is it about this one that, that, that you don't like? And then you have other people that they won't even cross, you know, subspecies or anything like that, you know, and that's fine too. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm for or against it. People are going to do what they want to do. And I think there's room in the world for everybody. I think the main thing is, is that you just have to respect everybody's opinion. Um, you may not agree with it, but you know, uh, you should respect it because, yeah. who knows, you know, they, they may have some, uh, you know, I mean, for, for us to say that, that the JAG, you know, if it, it if if it wasn't in the carpet python world and that was just a ball python mutation and they banned it, I bet you that the carpet people wouldn't be as up in arms about it, uh, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't I don't think that they would they would be caring as much. But the fact that it is a carpet python and a ball python now all of a sudden it's sort of like. Not that it gets a pass, but you have to you have to admit that sometimes there's some jags that are pretty freaking wonky and should actually be blackhead food. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think somebody brought up the point of like uh, bulldogs and stuff like that, where these animals were bred and they have nothing but you know bad conditions and you know problems, yeah, problems of some sort. And, it's just like you could pick any, you know, people pick bulldogs, but you can say the same thing about German shepherds. You know, they usually have hip issues. Uh, any of those big dogs usually have hip issues because they're mm-hmm. bred to look a certain way. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I wonder if you breed something long enough that, you know, that inbreeding, inbreeding and, you know, like, at what point does it start to affect uh, the mutation? So, like, you know, Rob brought up the granite. Um, you know, early granites hatched out with no eyes and, you know, yeah. you know, wonky like a jag and, you know, is the gene shitty or whatever. But, you know, some, a lot of people, well, a, couple, a few people have outcrossed it. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that when you breed it to all these morphs, um, you, you don't really see the same wonkiness. So that's what led people to believe that, you know, if you outcross it, um, you know, maybe, maybe there would be hope. And, you know, apparently there is a little bit of hope. But so, but I guess my question would be, and maybe one of you guys can answer this, like if, if that happened with granites, what would stop it from, happening in, say, rough-scale pythons, or even, like, locality carpet pythons. So, like, let's take Brisbane. You know what I mean? Uh, because, obviously, you would keep breeding them together, you know, because yeah, you would I mean, want to keep the locality. You know, the, the, certainly the big issue and with any of this stuff, right, is that ideally, 
you know, you want your gene pool to be as wide as possible at the start, but that's not always the case, as with the rough scales, the cocci, a whole host of different things. Any of the things you're talking about in terms of the locality carpet, I know I've been sending you pics of that uh, one particular Palmerston jungle that Nick has for sale that uh, I hope someone else buys. It's certainly a big one, because then I won't have yeah, to. Please. Uh, Please don't make me do it. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. You know that that would be fun. I don't mind putting that out there because then then it'll just be gone and I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know the issue is not really necessarily how tight the gene pool is so much as it is what the genes that are extant in that gene pool you know that you started with are. So as long as there's no deleterious recessive genes in there, um, you know, which it seems to be the case with the rough scales, I haven't heard or one of any negative traits, no. despite how tight that gene pool was. So, you know, it appears that those were just rock-solid animals that, you know, obviously spontaneous mutation happens and those sorts of things could crop up in a small percentage over time. But I think for the most part, that's going to be a solid project going forward, even with that, that type of base, because there just isn't stuff hidden in there that's going to, as you, if you're doing breedings, you know, between related animals, all that's doing, right, is increasing the rate of homozygosity. So if you have something in there that's problematic when when it's uh, expressed as a homozygous, you know, when it's a homozygous expression, um, you know, if nothing, if none of that stuff's in there, then you're going to be just fine, even if it is a tight gene pool. And as I said, that seems to be the case with roughies, cocci, I think are mostly fine. Um, you know, as long as you see that problem and then you don't go that direction, I think you're good to go. Um, it's the case with a lot of things. That being said, always a proponent of genetic diversity, even though, again, actually towards this issue, if you had, so with the rough scales, I know uh, when I was out with you, Eric, when we went to your old man's place, we we looked at that ad that talked about the uh, new blood rough scales. I don't know if you want me bringing this up or not, but uh, it was well, one of those where I, a, I had a laugh because that was, that's, that's that was there. A, bit, uh, a bit silly. Um, but, you know, if those genuinely were distinct and unrelated to all that different stuff, which I personally, I doubt you guys don't have to say anything at all, um, then, you know, that the issue is that actually might bring in some recessive traits that aren't present right now. And you might have something solid that actually bringing in that additional genetic material might cause problems. Um, so it's just kind of funny relative to the way you think of it. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, I, I as far as the rough scale thing, um, I think that might be bullshit. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, to me, the issue was just you know, as we talked about that day, was was not. I, I don't doubt the what the person said, you know, in their their history sure. on those. My my point was just okay. Those the ones that came through that those were then descended from. Did those come from the bush or did those come from a reptile show in Sydney, you know, <laughs> which means they're the same strain as we all already have, you know, yeah, right. they Owen already has Eric and I yeah. are just, just jealously sitting on the sideline. But, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's, that's the problem with that. It's not that I doubt the story. It's just the question of, yeah, sure. That'd be, that'd be a whole different, uh, kettle of fish. Right. As they say, if that yeah. was, um, you know, from the bush. And I feel a lot differently, but uh, right. I, I doubt, very much doubt that's the case. Yeah, I would agree. So, 
basically what what because it actually worked with the IJs and the granite. The outcrossing, you know, the the baby granites are born now and they have both eyeballs, um, and they don't. And but I still hear That's that there's some important. that is very important. Um, I hear that also that some granites that are kind of older and can kind of go back to the original line stuff that they can be a little wonky too. So basically, what cur- what what worked out well for the granite will never work out well for the jag because. It, the, it's tied to the, the issue. What makes it with that color is the development yeah. of the neural crown. Sure. Exactly. It's tied to the development of the neural crown. Where, where with granite, it was just happened to be that the stock that the animal, that the, the gene popped up in, was very poor genetically. Sure. Exactly. They were a little bit, uh, you know, yeah, little so outcrossing sure. made it better. Just having stronger blood animals in there to carry the gene worked out well. So I got, that's what we're kind of framing this around because I know we've had that conversation. I know we said that conversation. Um, I know it was like our first couple episodes and then we had to revisit the issue when Jags got to Australia. So, <laughs> so here we are now again, <laughs> going over the Jags. So it's, it is what it is. You cannot, it and I can see where some people might not be okay with that. So, you should know, Owen, that I, I pulled that clip for him like a month ago, and I've been trying to get him to play it for four weeks, and it took me coming on the show to get him stop to play that. the damn thing. <laughs> you need to stop that. You need to stop pulling clips of what I've said years ago, because I don't even remember what I said two days ago, okay? So you want to Well, that one just made me do. depressed, because I knew it was there, but I couldn't find it for the uh, fifth, fifth anniversary show, and it was within the you know the time frame we had agreed to cover, and I was just going – Ah, I know this is here, but I, I couldn't find it. You know, I spent a month listening to stuff, and somehow I somehow I'd missed it. That's actually a pretty good episode. I know, uh, Eric, that's my uh, – I gave him the encouragement to put that on the Throwback Thursday, get people to listen to that episode, <laughs> Balin is back, because it is a good one. But, uh, oh, that was beyond, the Balin show? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Balin. I would – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something that would be said in front of him. So, <laughs> true story. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, I don't know. That, okay. well, all right, I will. I will now bring you two into something that is going on in the rogue reptiles world that I have not yet made public, and it kind of has to what do with what we're discussing currently. Okay. So, I. Jason just hatched out a clutch of granite babies over in right. uh, down in Maryland. Yes. And it was a bitch of a clutch and it had horrible things from the get go. And Jason is fantastic and phenomenal and has done everything correct. Unfortunately, there were some that were, do- that were dead in eggs and out of the animals that had hatched, a few of them have dropped off after hatching. And I know for a fact that one of that my female is a is one of the almost she she's an older female she's het for granite but I don't believe she had too many of the outcrossings that went into what was done further down the road with granite. Um, right, that was the one from Eric's buddy Chuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment on that, and you know it. 
Uh, well, yes, yes, Rob, you are correct. So yeah. yeah, he doesn't listen anyway. But anyway, um, so <laughs> yeah, you are correct. It's from Chuck Poland. So uh, I don't know exactly what was done. She's she's a Paul Harris line animal. So I'm not sure if what was sure, that was early on something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if this was something that if the clutch was bad because it was technically her first clutch ever because there was some blood on the eggs. Because, you know, or did she bring some weak shit to, you know, to the rest of the What did he take here? it to? What, what? Was, what was the mail? The mail was a granite from, that Balin has. And I'm not sure where, what the, what the lineage is on, on, on the mail granite. But apparently he's had this thing for a very long time. And he hasn't been, right. he hasn't bred so it to this, that, other thing too. too. So they're probably okay. both adult animals. So I, I. I don't know. They're older animals. Well, I would hope they're both say. adult animals. God damn it. Sure. All right, you know, I said it, and then I'm like, <laughs> in front of those two, I was going to eat those words, but they're older animals. Like, I'm pretty sure she's like No, seven, I know I what you mean. I'm just telling you. You're I right. know. So, I don't know. Is that something to think about? Yeah, it sounds like it is. I mean, that, that's yeah. a bummer, but, I mean, heck, at least uh, at least Jason can breed IJs, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I bred the IJs. I, I did it. I counted. That's mine. Certainly, when they present on your table, you're going to say, yeah, "Yes, God damn my right, I am." <laughs> and, and the problem um, is that because of the dwindling number of babies, I'm going to have like one. It'd be like purchase the yeah. only IJ ever to be on a rogue table. So, oh my goodness, and ever will be. So, well, that's just you know that's all the better because that's going to be ninety percent of Eric stuff so you know yeah 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 i would say that's probably uh the problem um it's it is what it is and you can't do anything about it and it's unfortunate and you know i i feel bad for jason who's putting you know all this work into this and crap like that and you know, he was excited. This is his first year producing granite, so you know it sucks for kind of like the both of us. But um, I feel I feel worse for him. So it's kind of that thing. Um, when it comes sure. down to I it, mean, I, even those even those good babies, man. You know, you yeah. pair those with a nice. Even if someone took you know a farm hatch baby and paired that up and made their own little project, that's not nothing. You know, that's. No. Especially with the price point on those things at this point. I mean, heck, that's a cool little project. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm on the fence about it because then it's like, keep breeding or still have the same result year after year or all this other stuff. And it's just like, again, it's, is that, who's responsible? Is it, you know, the boy, the girl? It's a bunch of stuff. Or is this just one year fluke clutch? There was a bad clutch weird eggs next year she's going to have you know a perfect bunch of pearly whites and all the babies are going to come out fine hey quick question tony had a question um the the uh the granite male was he bred to with other females at any point and if so no idea you have to ask you have to ask jason balen i have no clue so from what you were saying yeah, I'm going to say yeah. no, because I don't think that he's ever produced granites, right? No, he has not. Or yeah, even, so. I, I haven't seen him market the head stuff either, you know, nope. so that's not definitive, but, 
Yeah, I would say no. Is the, I would want to say you know, no as well. Which, if yeah. it's a first clutch for two animals that are on the older side, and, you know, you got kind of got some weak stuff in there, I would totally be like, yeah, this makes sense. So, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember what show it was on, but Ben talked about it was right around when the complete carpet came out. So it had to be right around the beginning. But when Ben was on, I know he was talking about somehow they were able to find out how right. I think they they sequenced the genetic diversity on their stuff on the ones that they had, which I think was either the same or very closely related to the Chuck stuff, you know, that, that then you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know where you're going, Eric. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you probably know it better than I do. <laughs> yeah. That's why we brought you here. So. <laughs> no, I mean, just the upshot was essentially those were all the same snakes. Like the, the, the genetic diversity on those things was essentially nothing. Right. Um, and you know, that was what, you know, part of the impetus for Nick to, to do what he did in terms of just taking, did he take hats to normals or he took granites to normals and then just worked from there with the hats? I think maybe it was the case. He took a granite to a, a wild caught or an F1, you know, a farm baby or something like that. And then, and then just worked from the hat. Didn't even use that granite again. Um, You know, which, which I think makes sense. You know, it's the same thing. It's, it's not a question of genetic diversity, you know, when there's no deleterious genes, it's <laughs> when you know that there are some there, right, that are tied to, you know, either tied to in some cases or in this case not tied to, they just happen to reside in the same snakes, you can actually separate them out. But that's ultimately this question, you know, it's the jag versus the granite. I think right. they're two very different things, even though, as I think, heck, even Eric, didn't you have a granite that was a little bit funky, a little bit, uh, yeah. It seemed like it's neuro, you know, had a little neuro thing going on. So Yeah, it came from Will Leary. Um, I actually bought it from Nick, but um, it, he purchased it from Will Leary. So it does the same type of, well, it's not. So when, when we talk about Jags, I think the only Jag that I have that's really wonky is my albino Jag. And... I think what's happening, and I could be wrong, but when you're stacking all these genes on top of, you know, you're stacking these mutations, I think you probably run into where you're just like, it's like a stack of defective genes. (laughs) It's like, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you're just increasing the odds that there's something that is not resulting in a phenotypic expression, right? You're getting some mm-hmm. genotypic variation that, that you're just not seeing, but that is underlying there and is like, it's just waiting to hop out at you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and you got that one that kept trying to bite me, but kept missing too. That's uh, what the middle of that uh, rack against the wall, that thing wanted a shot, but it couldn't, it couldn't get, couldn't get the job done. I think that might have – I don't know if that was the albino jag. Was it albino? It was a jag something, man, and it, it wanted a piece real – I don't know. I'd say judging by how you grow your stuff up, maybe it was three or four years old. I <laughs> mean, at Owen's place, it would have been eight and a half feet long. Oh, yeah, I mean – Eight years, it was maybe four, you know. Like uh, your clutch, yeah. Oh, but, the granite jag. That was the granite jag. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's not that that wonky, but you know, like what you're saying is is like you notice it's not quite the same as you know if you had say just a coastal carpet. Um, you definitely. A coastal, I would have been bleeding like a stuck pig all over your room. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would have nailed you no problem. It would have gotten uh, you right between the eyes. But you know, it's wouldn't you expect to see more wonkiness out of say early stage granite jacks? Then, because you know, nobody gave two shits about. No, because you're out. You're you're. Then you got a fifty shot, man. That's the thing, you yeah. know. Like, in so terms of what, what out, are going to hit. In yeah. their haste, in their haste to produce the granite jack, they accidentally outcrossed the the. the like right, and I guess by the time you're getting a visual granite, that's actually going to be a twenty-five. So you got yeah. a twenty-five percent negative shot and a seventy-five percent, you know, that it'll be cool. You know, that's the thing. Not even intentional. But by the time you're on a homozygous, that's probably what you're looking at. Well, especially because when granites and jags, that was like you most of the time people were taking the straight up granite and talking and crossing it to their pure coastal jag because that's all they right. had. So, you know. But then to get it back to that, you know, get that granite expression in that jag. Yeah. I mean, we're talking one in four. So probably one in four of those. A bit, you know, super. And they could just blame yeah. all the wonkiness on the jag part. So sure. Wow. Yeah, but see, I have like granite zebras and caramel granite zebras and all that kind of stuff, and they don't have any signs of any wonkiness at all. And the granite female that I got from Nick um, is definitely an improvement, um, and that's only uh, that was in the beginning stages of him. Um, yeah, out crossing that. You know, the other problem with the granite is the uh, just the you know the female just having a horrible uh, clutch as far as like you know not being able to you know egg bound and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, know. I think that's just you know uh, again that speaks to kind of things that we can't see you know, looking at the thing from the outside, but where you're probably seeing some, you know, recessive genes that are, you know, lead to reproductive weakness that we're just not seeing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not a color and pattern or even a size thing. And we just look at it and say, I mean, heck, dude, you you see that in all sorts of things that aren't even genetic in terms of failure to thrive or failure to reproduce. And the contrast, right, where you have things that just always have good clutches of always – you know, large, a large quantity of bags relative to things, and you say relative to the average, and you say, oh, okay, maybe that's <laughs> maybe female offspring or even male offspring from that are things that uh, you might want to hold back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, we know Owen failed on that with Sophie, but whatever. That's just. I, no, I didn't. No, I did not. I got one of her daughters. Did you keep back. the female from that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, did you I buy it back? I bought it back. Well, somebody. It was one of those like uh, somebody was at a reptile show and they came up to me and there and I recognized who this person was and they didn't, I guess, either recognize me or not. But they're like, I bought these animals from this guy. I forget his name. And then they described my logo with the red (laughs) eyes and the tongue. I'm like, I've heard of this man. Go on. So, you know, and they're like, we have these two snakes. And I'm like, oh, interesting. And I knew immediately who they were from. So I bought them back. And I, I have. Uh, it, her name's Cody, 
um, and she gave Eric and Chris Alemi a hell of a time because um, they were oh, you know, Carp Fest. <laughs> yeah, they were here for Carp Fest, and I'm like, just move her to another cage. And the two of them, it was like it was they'd never handled a snake before because she's whipping around. They're trying to grab her. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a coastal that's a little bit bigger than an IJ, and you guys are useless, okay? So, you know. It's not about it right. So I have her. Um, I haven't bred her to anything, even though she is old enough. Um, and she has definitely not got the size that uh, Sophie did. But I didn't get Sophie until she was a much older animal. So um, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with her. So Didn't you? You kept snakes very different back then. I mean. I did. I fed the shit out of them. <laughs> so, right. Like right, they're getting, they're getting a jumbo rat every week. <laughs> so. Which we all, which we all did. I mean, I mean, it, you know, as we, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm speaking for myself. I mean, the way I eat snakes today is very different than the way I did yeah. a long time ago. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, the difference is that Owen's on radio for five and a half years talking about it. I've and learned. To make yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also when I was in college and I had like five, six animals, uh-huh. the rodent bill was not insanity. And, you know, everybody would be on one size and I would buy two bags of that size. And that would last me until the next reptile show, maybe even further down. It's only when I started breeding and, you know, producing and getting babies and needing all the different sizes of rodents and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, realizing that they don't need to be eight feet long or, you know, seven feet long to do what they got to do. You know, it's six foot max and they can have plenty of eggs and maybe it's better to have four females that have eggs in the 10, 15 range than have one female that is 52. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the other um, the other thing I was going to say as far as, uh, you know, size and feeding animals the way that we, you know, used to. Um, <laughs> he's typing, I swear. I am not typing. I'm <laughs> very quiet. Damn it. <laughs> It always distracts the shit out of me. I don't know why. It's like, and I just can't function. My brain shuts down. Anyway, um, what I was going to say is is that, you know, um, for animals that that are fed like that, uh, their longevity is usually like you're looking at 10 years or so as opposed to, uh, you know, animals that are fed in a more, you know, uh, conservative <laughs> approach, uh, live, you know, 20 plus years. So I don't know if you guys sure. have uh, experienced that, but that's kind of, that's kind of how, you know, people that I talk to, that's kind of how things go for them. So I guess it makes sense. If we ate, eight, eight and eight and eight, then we would probably have the same problem. Sure. I mean, that sounds like an excellent transition to uh, Eric's failure to send the phase two of his little uh, dice <laughs> with myself and Owen. Yeah. 
Yeah. He said, well, well, I'll just keep going with phase one, guys. You guys need it. So don't worry about it. Owen can't hear you. Can't hear me? Did we lose Owen? That's a bummer. I don't know. I thought that was pretty good. You didn't even laugh. What's, what's, no. what's the deal? <laughs> there it is. Owen dropped off. That's what it is. Um, nah, okay. I, I'm going to text you uh, <laughs> right now. Um, so you have phase two. So you can officially become part of phase two. Nah, same deal as Owen, man. I'm just posing you. I think the, uh, you know, realistically, I think it mostly just makes sense relative to, uh, we talked about it at length in terms of the processed sugar. I think even more than the carbs, right? We've had as hominids, 11,000, 13,000, 15,000, whatever you want to say, right? In terms of cultivation of grain, we've got at least that time in our bodies in terms of adapting to carbs. But processed sugar is, what, 150 years? 200 years, depending on where you live, how much money you had, all these different things. Like, you know, that I think is the real killer, you know, and as a former uh, connoisseur of Mountain Dew myself, you know, I can (laughs) can say it's probably not good for you. I agree. Although I was never a connoisseur of Mountain Dew. Uh, I I was. I was immensely, so yeah. That makes two of us, Buddy Bear, you know, so... (laughs) I think uh, you know. I don't know what. When did you? When did you come back on there? I was just saying that. Uh, uh, hey, Mount, I was talking to Eric you. about not sending a phase two, you know. And then I was saying oh, yeah. that, uh, you know, at the same time, I think basically the fundamental idea is to avoid, you know, carbs, which maybe you know, depending on which scientist you take, we've got eleven thousand to fifteen thousand years of adapt adaptation to. But the processed sugars, you know, depending on the class of your ancestors, 150, 200, 100 years of development, and on the uh, hominid <laughs> scale of development, that's essentially nothing. So our bodies just aren't equipped to handle it. And as a connoisseur of Mountain Dew, I, you know, or I should say a former connoisseur, that, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, well, you know, is it, a problematic it, element, I think, for our bodies to handle. It is, and I've kind of gotten through that kind of stuff because obviously there are some days where you can't stick onto the diet as best as possible. So you got to go to like a birthday party or some other crap. So you just do the best you can and get at, you know, try not to Sounds totally. Like he's cheating to me, Eric. What do you think? I do not. <laughs> yeah, but you said. do your best. But, you know, then there's the other things that, uh, what one thing is that don't drink your calories and you look at the freaking bottle of Mountain Dew, it's like 300 something. It's like that should sure. be t- that's more than a meal. So it's yeah, avoid that. So there are ways. Yeah, lucky for me, <laughs> I, I never really I gave up soda like five years ago. So I, I, I fear what would happen if I had one now. Like if I just drank like a oh, Mountain you Dew. Spiral. You like I spiral. used oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. The flavors and the overrush of that sugar would be yeah, insane. Yeah, die. Yeah. So, uh, so Rob, I have a question. Like, how did you like your uh, first carpet fest? I had a lot of fun, man. I thought that was that was really great. And as you've been pitching the whole time, you know, well, and I mean, as you told me, you know, throughout this time, don't go to Owen's place. Come when it's at mine. Um, you know, You're sick. The, uh, <laughs> Still good Owens place. This place is trash. You see what he you keeps... weren't supposed to say that out loud, man. Do you see his thing? <laughs> oh 
trash collection and good cages. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. So, uh, no, man, I thought it was great. And, you know, as you've been pitching that whole time, I, you know, it was not certainly all the folks that, you know, I was talking to and, you know, that's the same, same situation similarly, but where it's like, Hey man, I'm, I love all reptiles and amphibians, maybe some more than others, or at least I work with some more than others, but in terms of an interest, I love all of them. And that was, you know, a common bond with everyone who was there. And that was really great. You know, it's called Carpet Fest and that's fine. You know, that's, that's appropriate, but at the same time, you know, there were plenty of folks there that just were interested in all sorts of different things, right? We went to Philly Zoo. Thanks again to Jason Bell. You know, that was a great experience. And, you know, there, the highlight to me, Shinosaurus, maybe the, uh, you know, the prehensile skinks, the Karusha, right? You know, those are probably the two things that stuck out to me the most. Um, not obvious. Those obviously are not carpet pythons. You know, I don't have any carpet pythons I like. Well, as I say, I'm a little uh, amenable to that one Palmerston that Nick has posted. Um, but other than that, you know, heck, man, that reduced pattern diamond that you got from Greg is uh, certainly sold my heart. You know, that, that of all the things was my favorite. You know, I love that animal. Yeah. And heck, even uh, Curtin's kids, you know, I, I thought we were going to have a problem there. I thought they were going to the the one was going to run off with it. I thought it was going to be a situation, and you'd you'd say, "All right, but all right, buddy bear, owe me twenty five hundred bucks at this point." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You open the cell, that makes you liable. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're holding it last, so you bought it. <laughs> you touch it? No. What is it? You break it? You bought it? <laughs> yeah. You break it? You bought it? You touch it? You bought it? You know, like yeah. that's that's where I thought we were at. So. No, I had a great time. I had a great time out at your place, and it was a lot of fun. It was great, you know, going to the zoo with Chris, and, you know, I think uh, – I hope he had a lot of fun. I know, you know, he likes the cat stuff more than the two of us do, but – and maybe that was a little bit disappointing. I I think the the coolest thing is – so we went to the zoo, you know, we checked that out, and even ignoring kind of the bias that you, I, you and I have, if not Chris um, – you know, I think the best part of the Philly Zoo is their herp stuff. That was my opinion. You know, I haven't been yeah. to a handful of places. I, I think that's legit true. Regardless of your interests, I think the herp stuff is the best, and we got to get a cool look at it, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah it was uh, pretty neat to go behind the scenes, uh, you know, having never done that at a, at a, at a zoo like that, you know. Yeah, but, uh, no. Well, I mean, you guys got to come out to Denver. You know, we got uh, – I know he he hasn't called in yet. Maybe that's a guest for you guys. Is James yeah, I, out at the um, out at Denver? But you guys got to uh, got to come check it out. Yeah, I would love absolutely. to. That's, uh, and, yeah. uh, the problem is that if I go out to Colorado and I don't go see my sister in Aspen, she will kill me. So um, <laughs> I will have to plan that. <laughs> so I want to know, like, when we go out to Colorado and. Um, you know, like Joe Rogan uh, says, where he does that Stop bit where he, where he talks Stop about where Stop he it. eats the edible yeah, where you're gummy going. bear. Stop it. <laughs> he eats the edible gummy bear, but the guy tells him just to eat the leg. Just the leg, man. Just the leg. And then why do you make the whole thing? And then you eat the whole thing and you're tripping your balls off. Uh, <laughs> that would be <laughs> Oh, I oh, I man. thought you were going to go somewhere with a Sasquatch because Rob's here, but, you know, I'm glad you kind of 
Peter off some different made, way. Today made three days in a row that I saw a uh, a little window decal that said going squashing. So I I just think it really funny. Swear to God, if that thing ends up on my car, like ah! on my car at one point, uh, I blame you, Rob. So Peter, all the value place on radio fans. Somebody Stop get it. a going squash. Stop it. Some of those people know my address. Do not do ah! this. Oh, that's funny. That would be awesome. I'm getting that made for Tim. <laughs> Fine, slap it on Matt's car. Do it. No, I'm getting you a t-shirt, a t-shirt, or a book bag, or <laughs> something. Something, right? Uh, See, what we need cool. to do so we'll get him to pass out Friday night, and then no, we're just gonna write it on him in black magic marker. <laughs> I am. I am. So nervous about doing like passing out in front of these people that I've I know that I've pissed off numerous times with just the shit that I've said. I, I don't even want to give you guys the the option of doing that. So I'm always very careful not to drink to excess in front of you people because no one would take care nah. of you. You'd all, oh, and see, you'd here's all the thing. Here, here's the only clarification on that point, right? Is that you have you've never pissed me off at all. It's just know, for right. fun. Oh, you yeah, exactly. So. You're all just <laughs> With friends like you guys who need enemies, yeah. So. Right, sure. Maybe that's a good point, you know. But yeah. uh, I was just asking Eric, and he said he booked the room, so we're good to go. Oh, I yeah. probably should know that, but I did not. He and I got to book a table because it'd be nice to have something to put the snakes on. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we don't put them. In yeah, the I room. could use another of those vendor bags. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, we can hook it up. Yep. So we're uh, so far. I don't have a wedding and or job that I have to worry about too much. I just have to put in for the timeout. So I may actually be able to go out and come back at the same like with you guys. Not have to fly in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, that'll so, be me, cool. so are you guys yeah, go ahead, to drive this time? Or what? I would <laughs> like to. But no, you know, I'm I mean, offering. You might not have Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep offering until like like you guys let me. But you know, if you guys keep not, then whatever. I've done my part. I keep offering. So yeah. I can't wait. Well, I was hoping you guys could pick me up at the airport, but uh, we'll see. Maybe this isn't the best place to bring that up. What you should do. What you should do is not do is do what I didn't do and ask around because. Bill apparently landed at the same damn time and could have easily just driven with him. So you didn't clearly think that one through, man. I wasn't. <laughs> I, first off, I rarely ever think anything through. Okay, I just kind of. Good point. Think, yeah. <laughs> Somehow it's been working out so far. I'm 31 and I haven't died yet. So. That's yeah. <laughs> um, funny. Um, so yeah, I, it should be. Uh, it should be a it should be a fun year for sure. I, I uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about, and the more and more that um, <clears throat> I think about it, the the more and more I think it's probably a, the best idea that I was ever told was, you know, when I was talking to Keith, he was talking about, you know, making sure that you bring adults and such. So um, I think I that's going to be key. But do we will we have the space on the table with your display, my display? What are we gonna where are we gonna put the adults? Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure. It's not it fair. Out. You used my own thing against me, and now I got nothing for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
That's so, not fair. So. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's kind of important to uh, for people to, especially for all the people that are thinking about doing a show. That um, you know, obviously, a lot of our listeners are carpet python enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just you can't. It's so hard to sell little drab brown snakes, and you know, I think with Tinley in particular, you know, you have a lot of people that are coming in. Um, that are just coming in to check things out, which I'm curious on your guys' thoughts. Like people walking through the door, right, just coming in, and maybe they're just looking around or whatnot. What do you think the percentage of people that actually buy something at that show um, for a pet? Uh, we had a few good. Well, here's the thing: it depends. If you're from the Illinois area, uh, I you you very well could just be going in there for a pet. But if you've driven a good amount or flown uh, to get to the show, you're buying it because you're a breeder. You think so? Or a hobbyist or something like that. You're, you're buying it for a purpose. You know, it, again, if you're from the general area, then you very well could be going in there for a pet. So, right. I'm just, know. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. You know, no, I think the to me, the especially you, Eric, you know, not to say that Owen snakes are low end, you know, like you did in the previous clip, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think your, uh, your principal interest is going to, to folks who are, you know, maybe working with other stuff and saying, hey, maybe carpet, you know, whether it's a citrus tiger head albinus, whatever it might be, you know, saying, hey, here's a project, man. Here's something you can diversify what you're working with, get a little bit of a different look going on. I think that's mostly who you're selling to, but at the same time, I'm totally with you. I think having an adult that, that grabbed you in the ass sort of citrus tiger, you know, if you had a citrus tiger, your best looking one, whether it's Dash or whatever else, paired with, you know, your best looking albino and said, hey, man, you know, we're combining these two lines of different things, and this is what we're working towards. I think that's what's going to sell those critters more so than someone walking through the door unless – you know, I mean, you know how it is. You know, if you're over at Owen's table and you're looking at sub 300 bucks stuff, then, you know, maybe that's a pet to some Illinois local. But uh, other than that, I think you're looking at those other breeders. Yeah. The, the one, what was it, the uh, the one Tinley that I went to where I had the bread lie, I brought their mother with me. Yeah. And I didn't have any room on the table for her. So I just kept pulling her out every once in a while, and I, I I didn't leave the show with a single bread lie. So yeah, they definitely help, especially because people who are like, I was interested in bread lie, I've never actually handled one, and I'm like, oh here, and I pull out the mom, and they're like, I'm like here, go to town, you know, she ain't gonna hurt sure. anybody, and she's huge, so people got the feel for that, and then they immediately scooped up the babies. So that's just how it goes. The the parents do help, and I try to bring my adults to any show that I don't need the adult displays for. It's like if I'm selling larger animals or something like that, but, and they definitely help sell their own babies, but Tinley park, we can't just, we would, I think we'd almost end up needing two tables to have your display, my display, and then adult displays. Well, we'll see. We can work that out, but I was just, uh, you know, for, for one, I can't even find adult displays. I don't know where you guys look, but I can't find anything. Mine, that you mine came from uh, a lab that used to make Crofab, 
which is the anti-venom for rattlesnakes. And they, the lab shut down, but the the thing is that they were required to have a locking clear transport for the snakes from where they were milked to where they were kept. So all these acrylics ended up being sold when the lab went down. And I just got them through the zoo that I used to work for because somehow a bunch of them got donated to us and I just bought them from the, the zoo. Okay. That's where mine came from. Howard has good-sized ones, and they are ARS. The yeah, I looked, I, looked on their, I looked on their website. I, I, I didn't see anything, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look again. Those are nice. And then also I have – there's a Facebook page that, like, is clear acrylic designs or whatever. The guy builds towers and adult displays, like, custom. And okay. uh, he has some good stuff. I need another tower. Tower from uh, ARS at some point, but I have not. So, right. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. But uh, yeah, it should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. It's Carpet yep. Fest uh, Midwest, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Basically. I tossed up that citrus tiger head albino that I got from you onto the NPR chat. So, um, just to show off her very pretty colors and to talk you up. So, oh, wow, look at you. I know, yeah, right? <laughs> she's very nice. Thank you. See, I have some good animals over here. God, I'm a shirt bag. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it with the dirt snakes. Jeez. Yeah. You, <laughs> you might as well just breed corn snakes and king your, snakes. Your brown, bumpy tree snakes. You disgust yeah. me. Yeah. So <sighs> Might as well have rhinos or something, man. I do. And they yeah, haven't just... died yet. I'm doing well. So. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Rob, like, what's your season looking like for uh, rhinos? Um, my season. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe Rob, that season. makes more sense. Yeah. Go on, no, I mean, yours are almost ready to go, maybe two years from now, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, two years, I'd say, two or three, depending on how much food you're putting into those things. Oh, they, they seem to be more of an age thing, you know, although, I mean, at your schedule, I assume they'll be adult size next year, and then we'll just have to I wait should, a couple of years. I shouldn't feed them yeah. every other day, is what you're telling me? <laughs> they're not your blue beauties, man. You know, oh, really? they're not the damn blue beauties so, that are going to grow to nine and a half feet fucking long. I can't so. wait for the blue beauties to get that big. <laughs> they're so cool. How and big are they the, at this point? Oh, they're on small rats now, so they're about. Jesus Christ. Oh, God, but they're so angry. <laughs> it's so awesome. I am not changing that cage. Ever. So awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> Eric, go in that cage. What's in there? It's an IJ. He opens it up. I lied. And just like blue beauty just flies out at him. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I want. So. Yeah. No, I mean, do you have them in cages or in racks? They're in cages, but the problem is that they're outgrowing because I have them in these like stupid little one by one, like almost cube things. Um, Uh And they're too big or they're getting to the point where they're too big. So I I need to move them up to another cage. But the problem is that I don't have any larger cage open for them so it's like they're almost i don't really want to put them in a rack but i might have to 
we're, we're at that point now where they're going to move soon. So they're probably going to end up into a rack until I can get them into another cage. So. Right on. Do you see them? Do they, do they show in that cage that you have them now? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with those is I do think, you know, those seem to have that diurnal aspect where, man, you're going to see them and, you uh-huh. know, you just look at them and say, wow, that's, they, that's a cool thing. That's why you want to have cages, you know, just yes. so you can see those things kind of doing stuff and looking at you saying, hey, man, you got a mouse on you? you know? they, <laughs> and if not, maybe I'll sit, take those two fingers. Exactly. They sit out and they do this thing where they'll stick out their tongue and they'll, like, leave it out. Yeah. Like, they'll do this, the really slow tongue flick. Sure. And it's just like, and they just watch it. And then um, the female is especially very flighty and very pissy, and she will – jump up, puff up her neck, and sit in the double S with her mouth open, like, if you touch the <laughs> water bowl. And I'm like, yes! So, yeah, I, I love them. It was a great it was a great impulse buy decision that I did there, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, here's the thing, man, you know, whether it's Ganyasoma, whatever it is, those are fun to have a couple of. Yeah. It's when you have your whole collection of those things that can get a bit a bit stale, you know. I but can see that. have one or two to just watch, you know. Man, they're it's just so cool, you know. I know we tour. Man, I was in Eric's snake room for I don't know maybe a whole day, twenty four hours combined or something, <laughs> you know, between all those different things and all the damn things didn't do anything the whole time, yeah. you know. But uh, any of those Ganyasoma patayas, whether you know whatever it might be. They're gonna, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna think through what you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, I've seen it with with buddies of mine. I've had forty of the damn things, and they say, uh, maybe this wears on you a bit. But to have a couple of them, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited with them, and I've I've been thinking about now that I got the rhinos and I have a few other colubrids, I'm pretty good with where. I am at Collierbridge wise. I might add a few more things, but nothing too crazy. But uh, I'm definitely glad I ended up grabbing the Blue Beauties. So, yeah, and the yeah, Rhinos. I mean, they're cool. Yeah, and those are cool too. I was telling Eric the other day, and I was telling Matt. I was texting him, you know, when I saw because I looked through the weather in Tam Dao, Vietnam, which is the basically uh, original collection locality on all that Russian stuff that then went to Tula and then to Klaus. And then was fed here to the U.S. until we started getting some of these Chinese things, um, the southern Chinese ones. Um, man, they just have schizophrenic weather. You know, one day, literally, it's 100 degrees. The next, you know, it's 80. The next, it's 75. And then within, you know, a month, it's 55, this sort of thing. Right. Um, and I think that's why they're so hardy, you know, is that it's just, it's schizophrenic weather, man, where literally they're just all over the map. You don't want to do them too cool. I've seen that, you know, don't keep them at 40 constant over the winter. That's a mistake. You know, maybe you <laughs> right. want to go that 50, 55, um, 40, they come up, come out a little bit neuro as do Rosie Bowes. Um, but if you go that, that 50, 55, you should be cool enough to kick them in. And heck man, I know people who've kept them at 78 year round and produce them. So, I think they're just nails. You know, there are certainly things. It's one of those things where, you know, and trust me, man, I've learned far too many of these things, but it's, there are clear mistakes you can make. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a lot of open space, you know, where you can, 
you can just safely keep going, you know, and Matt was talking to me about his room and his setup, and I was like, you know what, man, I looked at this weather, and I think you're probably fine. Certainly don't do any extra heat on them, but you're going to be just fine. And I was actually going to talk to you about that because uh, I'm already planning, because right now the the rhinos are in quarantine, um, which is cool because it allows me to do whatever the hell I want with them, and it's not affecting anybody else. Um, right, I was going to say, so that's your bedroom? Is, is that no, right? it's actually my office. It, um, oh, not Jim's bedroom? That, no, that was my second no, guess and my hope, it, it is, fingers next, crossed, literally. It is next door to Jim's bedroom, and uh, he's not allowed in the office because he went in there once and was <laughs> mystified because there are uh, Nile monitors, a giant-ass Maclots python, and rhino rat snakes right now in quarantine. So he knows not to go into that room anymore. Um, but... Uh, what I have coming for the rhinos is actually uh, purchased a uh, arboreal rack system. Um, okay. So it's it's deep bins and stuff like that, and I was going to keep them in that because it kind of would give me a little bit more headroom. They're they're obviously way too small for that yet. They'll eventually grow up into those bins though. But right, what's uh, the size of that tub? Like, is it like a fifteen quart or something? Well, that's that's the other thing is I have a fifteen quart rack coming as well. That's another three slot 15. The arboreal rack, it's like more like a 30 something. It's the, it's the bigger bins. It's made for right. basically it's for, deep adult, yeah, sure. for adult green tree pythons. This damn sure. thing. So that is what I would like to eventually keep them in when they're adults. Uh, but for right now, I'd probably, was, I'm going to move because right now they're in six quarts. Uh, I would probably yeah. move them into the 15s uh, when they break quarantine. Yeah, I mean, I think that 15 is fine. To be honest with you, man, I mean, well, shit, it's the same advice as always, right, where it's like if the thing will eat in that tub that you would prefer to keep it in, you know, fine. Leave it's it fine. be. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> you know, yeah. like as long as the thing's comfy enough to eat, you're good, man. It doesn't matter. You know, so you could try the 30s, and as long as they take food, run with it. You know, yeah. looking at the size of those things, sure. I mean, that's that's the fun thing about them. You could keep them in that six quart. You could keep them in the six quart for another year if you really felt like it. You know, uh, at the same time, you could pop them into that thirty, and I think they'd be just fine. That's just the way they are. You know. Yeah, and the uh, um, I mean, it, it's they they definitely are nerve. They won't take off food off tongs. Um, oh, okay. I, are you leaving it in there? Oh yeah, and they they immediately it's gone. Like I leave it in there, I come back an hour later, it's gone. So um, yeah, eventually they'll reach an aggro point, man. Where they're then I probably would do the 15s, that being the case. Yeah. Um, but man, eventually they'll reach an aggro point where you pop them in that 30, even if they seem still a bit small for it, and they're gonna come for that food like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I, I, be, I figure they will. <laughs> it's gonna be intense, man. I you know that being said, once you pull them, they're fine. You know, oh, yeah. unlike the blue beauties or cocci or any of that porphy stuff, like man, they're not going to bite the hand that holds them. <laughs> you know, that's good. They, um, they don't. You know, they're totally chill. So it's just that it's that initial response, dude. <laughs> and as long as you don't get bit, you know, I mean, you get bit in that initial response and they tag a finger, they'll throw it down to your hand, no doubt. But yeah. uh, you know, if you uh, if you avoid that, you're cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I will I will keep you informed of how we're doing with all those stuff. But so far, uh, I, I you, love them. So. You got a pair, right, or a trio? A trio. Or... trio. 
Yeah, I mean they're cool snakes, man. I think you'll really enjoy them. That's they're, you know, I think the reason maybe folks get a little stale on them is just they supposedly they're adults that have stayed gray. I've never seen it, never seen a picture, never seen nothing. Supposedly, again, supposedly can happen. You know, seeing recollections of it in literature from 15 years ago saying, hey, I found a gray adult. But I've never seen any confirmation of that. But other than that, man, they're green snakes with varying shades of white and blues and yellows and, you know, these sorts of things. And they're pretty hardy snakes. Um, but I mean, that was my mistake with them. It's just, you know, eventually start producing so many. And as with anything, whether it's Paradura Masobe or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, you know, you hatch enough of them and you kind of say, oh, okay, maybe I'll get the, those pied Persian rats or whatever, you know, all these different things and say, let me try that stuff. And then, you know, four years down the road, you wind up saying, well, the thing I loved all along was those rhinos, but now I don't have as many holdbacks as I would like, you know. So I certainly understand, and I think uh, I think you'll like them a lot. Man. They are, especially once they're feeding, they're cool little critters. And they're not even as easy as the damn Dominicans that you can just feed lizards to these things. No, I, hate I think Carrie's hit it with the tadpoles, but uh, I don't have uh, much fucking tadpoles to feed them, man. <laughs> yeah. The hell is the uh, – that, that's apparently what they're feeding the dragon snakes that are in the country is tadpoles. Right, so I've been pitching this, so I'm getting a Patias from a buddy of mine. It's actually the same guy who used your uh, little cart deal at Tinley. I'm trying <laughs> to get to come on the show. But, uh, Got it. And I think he had one for quite a while, and then he was telling me about basically the Euro stuff that they were doing and all those things. So I, I'm still I'm still working that show for you to try and, try and get it on so you can ask him all about the dang xenodermis that, that you want, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think from what he was telling me, they're basically keeping them like dark frogs, you know. So you want to have a, a, a moving water source, keep yeah. them going in a naturalistic sort of enclosure. Upshot, you, me, Eric, I don't think they're in our league, buddy bear, you know. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I not figured. Not our game, but they are, they are a cool little snake. And I agree, I think tadpoles, he was saying, fish, he was saying. Uh, I want to see the fish, maybe, maybe not. That's that's kind of my recollection at this point, but I'm not 100%. But he certainly said the, the motile water and the sort of naturalistic get up. And I think he had one go six or eight months. And I mean, heck, they had captive bred ones at hand that he was telling me about. So, Jesus. you know, the, the Euros have something on us in terms of those naturalistic displays. You know, I think you get certain species like that that just really fit it. And that's kind of what you have to do. You know? Yeah, I, I don't. Want, I don't want to be the guy responsible for killing the only like dragon snakes in the country. So uh, I will not do it out of sheer terror. So well, good news is I don't think they're the only ones. Even Thank if they God. seem like the only ones, I don't yeah. think they're the only ones. But uh, bad news is I think you and me we would kill them. So yeah, exactly. you know, at least at least that's presently <laughs> constituted. So you know, good news, bad news. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, no, I'm with you, and they are. Man, they are a crazy-looking critter, aren't they? So cool. Yeah. Uh, something about me and armor-plated snakes, apparently. So I know, I don't know. right? You and yeah. the damn rough scales, you and, you, <laughs> and, uh, you and these things. <laughs> I it's have a problem. Something. Yep. <laughs> oh my! But no, they're cool. What's the what's your rough scale situation? 
Uh, we got 2.2. Um, the older ones, I'm not entirely sure if, because my male got pretty roughed up when he had that whole mouth obsess. So sure. yeah. right now, I'm not even pushing him through anything. And he is a so-so every once in a while feeder. But sure. coming up the back end, the other two little ones that I got from Dave, they will... I, I swear to God, they need a paper towel if I folded it to make it look like a mouse. Um, sure. So they are just packing on weight and packing on food. The problem is that I have them at Andrew's right now. So I'm like, please, mm-hmm. God, just don't feed them like crazy. And I'm like, holy shit, look how big they got. I'm like, stop it. So um, right. I don't know. No, I have uh, no doubt that he's feeding them, you know, chunks uh, of those oh, rat at this point. God, you know, horrible. sounds about right. Yeah, so they're 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 doing fantastic. They're doing great. Um, I am hoping to have everybody home in August because once quarantine clears, um, I can bring everybody back here. And I'm in the process right now of redoing the snake room. And uh, one of the things I'm redoing is I'm building some kind of almost look like uh, almost like having two arboreal cubes next to each other, but it's going to be one single cage with a sliding uh, divider. And that's where nice. I'm going to put the roughies in, or at least the uh, one pair of them in that. And then the younger pair will just kind of go in uh, a different uh, rack sure. system or something like that until they get bigger. So Whatever they fit, sure. Exactly. That's what we're looking at right now. And uh, hopefully I'll have everybody home soon. So, yep. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I, I agree with you. Same same deal in terms of never thought we'd see them. And they're, they are really – you know, a success story on all this yeah. stuff, you know. I can't and wait to eventually produce so them. I don't cool. care. I don't care if it takes me years and no one gives a shit after I do it. I mean, like, I don't care if it's like, oh, and rough scales are like $10 a piece and they give them to them free at reptile shows. Like, I don't care. I bred them and I'm happy. So. Nah, it won't even happen. I mean, yes, I agree with you that you'll be through the moon and plenty of people will be there with you. You know, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where they're never going to be that price because you're going to get the people who fall out when the price goes down. And then, right. you know, they're going to be saying, I mean, shit, dude, we've seen it with so many things. It's not even funny, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's Bengalans or Wamas or whatever it might be. And then, rings. Sure enough, you know, yeah. rings, sure, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And then you're going to produce them and people will be excited for you and there will certainly still be a market. I mean, Heck, dude, they're they're from a tiny range, you know. You can't can't hardly find the damn things even in the wild, you know. Yeah, the interest will be there. Yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful, and then I'm more hopeful for uh, Maclots this year. Um, I I I swear to God, I will produce those creatures if it kills me. So um, <laughs> they are fun snakes, man. I I have one that I had one back in the day that would go after your own heart. I had traded some stuff out and got this thing in and it's been fed by somebody who liked to keep like you did and thing had to be eight feet long man and you know two and a half it looked i had a bunch of olives at the time and it was almost there it really was you know you could tell that it was it was overfed to get to that point but yeah man it it was legit almost well it was probably the thickness of my male adult breeder olive python you know and at a solid eight eight and a half foot just a monstrous critter and certainly pretty and those they're cool too because they you know they're snappy little things but when they uh when they get size, they're usually pretty cool yeah i i i have the it uh, i have a younger female that i'm raising up 
and then I had my adult male, and I didn't have anything for him because my adult female egg bound and died on me. Right. So yeah. I sent him down to go breed loan, and, I'm, and uh, he didn't do anything down in Florida, which, you know, when you send them out, you have to expect them, number one, not to come back, and number two, you don't ever expect them to have success. Um, so what you mean is that KJ had secretly sold that clutch? And yeah, he, he got the clutch, okay. didn't tell anybody, bred. The, yeah, I, I, yeah, unfortunately, I, legit, yeah, I don't believe yeah, KJ okay. would. I don't believe KJ would be able to keep his mouth shut uh, when it came to producing uh, <laughs> Max because I think he's just as excited as I am. So even if he wanted to screw me over and steal the clutch, he'd accidentally slip that they happened. So you know, <laughs> yeah, but. So he came home and I'm like, I've had nothing for him. Oh my God, I got nothing for him to do. And he's just going to be sitting here in a cage and that sucks. And uh, my friend Scott was at a Repticon in Baltimore and he's like, oh, I a saw this thing. Yeah. Giant ass female Mac. And I'm like, I'm like, have him sex it for you. And he's like, okay. It's female, definite female. I'm like, buy it. I will pay you money. And he bought it. And I'm like, all right. He's like, it's Big Mac. I'm like, whatever. I've seen like six foot Macs or whatever. It's fine. This thing is a monster. She's longer than my olive pythons and almost as thick. And she is huge. And here comes my little five foot male Mac. I'm like, you're going to (laughs) die. So it's like, I don't want to put you in there. So I'm on this, like, do I put him in? Do I don't put him in? It's Yeah. I'll end up putting yeah, him in. I'm watching that cage like a hawk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that'll be the one that, that'll be the clutch I finally get is from this monstrous female that drops like a 30 egg Maclots clutch. I'll be like, well, right. shit. So. Well, that'll be good, man. Yeah. Then you'll just keep all 30 like Eric and it'll be fine. And that'll be great. You know, the problem is that I got animals back. I got my whole backs um, back from Chris who was raising them up for me. And it's like, you know, after seeing these, and I've seen these animals for a year, they look phenomenal. I did a good job picking up holdbacks. But then I'm like, man, this is why it's easier to sell yearlings. They all look so much better than they did when I was trying to sell them before. And, you know, they look better than their siblings that I got right now that I'm trying to raise up. So, I don't know. Part of me is like, I should start holding animals back for a year and then selling them. All right. But, by the way, um, Eric somehow broke his stuff. I don't know if you're on the same chat thingy I am, but Eric says that he... Yeah, so I don't know what the hell he did. But also, I'm not sure if I can end the show if we get down to that. He doesn't give me computer privileges. So, um, (laughs) for a very good reason. You know. Right, yeah, he knows you all too well. Well, we can chat for a little bit. Yeah, it's all good. So. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I'm I am super excited for Tinley. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And heck, man, I was thinking about it the other day. I got this little chondro that I was going to bring, and I was thinking, man, it's only what you know, two, three, and three months away. Three months away. It's three months away. And then what what gets me is that yes, Tinley is three months away, but that that means October is three months away, which means when I start I know, like you're right back into it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you you start like that's when you start that's when you start turning down the feed is October. That's when you start getting your pairs ready. That's when you start figuring out where you're at. And I'm like, holy shit! So like, it, it it's insanity. So that's why I'm saying quarantine's got to break in August because I got to get everybody downstairs who's yeah. going to be downstairs for breeding, and I got to get everything re- set and ready to go. And 
I prefer to have everybody in one place for winter as opposed to like split levels in the house. And I also don't want to move. Like I want, like I don't want to move an animal out of quarantine in the middle of December and then bring them downstairs. That's just like is asking for trouble. So. Hmm. And well, where? So you said we have that younger pair of roughies. Are they going to be? Is that female up to size for this coming season, or it's going to be another year? It's going to be another year. It's going to be another year. And then, right. and then I, and then I might be able to get the uh, younger male and my older female to go, and then. Uh, I'll probably need uh, another year after that before I can get the younger female involved. So, right on. And both those females are from Dave. Yes, both the females are from Dave. Uh, the one male is from Dave, and then the other boy was left over. I got in a trade from some guy who said he got him from the LA Zoo, which is not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were when I when I was originally traded my two males, um, they were unrelated stock from the LA Zoo. What? Was what sold me on it, which of course is a that's not true at all because they didn't have any at the LA Zoo, and unrelated we already established is not real. So. God only knows. Probably Cameron animals or something. I would assume that they're Cameron animals. Um, I don't believe, because I think the only person that had them or had the way to get them at that point was Terry had a few, and I think he just started selling them. I'm not even sure if Casey had produced his first ones. So it would have been, in my opinion, I think it would have been Cameron. Yeah, I mean, certainly that seems likely, and even if anything. I, you know, I know nothing about LA, but it could have been surplus to LA from Cameron or something like that. Then yeah. they moved on. You know, if there's some legitimacy to that, uh, to that sale or whatever. But hmm. well, well, the only, man. I mean, the only reason I got the two boys is because somebody had thought he had bought 2.2, and then sexed everybody and found out he had one female and uh, three males. Nice. So. That's where that, that one was. That was a great surprise. Sure. Yeah, so that's where I got the two boys. And I, the one male, or my one boy, uh, Romulus, is the one I got I, uh, sent to Nick. And he's been breeding right. up a storm. He just had his second clutch with Nick. So. Well, that's cool. Are you going to pick up any of those, do you think? Mm, maybe. I have to be, I I, you know, it, I'm, I'm, sure. roughy, I'm, I'm all roughied out at this point. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do I need six of them? I don't think so. Would I want six of them? Of course. Can I wait a year and just sure. make my own? Yeah, probably. So. No, I get you. I mean, what's the sticker price on those at this point? I think they're about. From, a, say from Nick. Uh, I think they're about a grand each now is what I see them is what they went for last year. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not nothing for sure. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm maybe in a year or so they'll be kind of lo- a little bit further down into the high hundreds, which would be very nice, and uh, I wouldn't mind them being down there, but uh, we'll see. Sure. We right shall on. see. What's going on with your Dominicans? I hope nothing. <laughs> I, mean, um, I hope nothing actually I got the male breeds with the females every year he breeds like crazy and last year he bred my one female Rosie numerous times and then one day I opened 
the bin and she had miscarried the litter. So it looked like a horror movie. It was, you know, stuff everywhere. Sure. Um, this year, I actually have another female that belongs to a friend of mine. And it's here so that I can breed my male to both those females because I apparently enjoy torturing myself. Um, <laughs> and apparently the male bred, I saw him locked up with both of them. And, and with Dominican boa locks, there's no, maybe they're locked. He is coiled around her body sure. like numerous yeah. times. So you don't miss like a little it. Anaconda. Sure. Oh yeah. Like, you know, it is like he, had, he had most of her. Um, uh, so I, I, I saw both females I saw that with. Um, and then I'd kept them together, all three of them in one cage. And then I guess, uh, probably about two weeks ago, everybody went to like opposite ends of the cage. And if they went near each other, there was piss musk and everything all over the place. Um, and so I decided everybody needed to be separated. So I took the smaller female in my male and I put them in a 41 bin and I let the larger female stay in the cage. And sure. everybody's doing good. Um, the larger female has refused food the past three times. So, mm. and she's kind of the one kind of, like, I can handle my Dominicans except for her. If I touch her, then, like, disgusting stuff starts oozing out the back of her. So, <laughs> I try not to handle her. Um, so, I'm not sure, but I'm hopeful. And I don't know what to do with that. So, like, I, 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 have no idea how long it takes after a shed before babies come um, and all that other fun stuff. So we're just going to see one day I could walk down and they could just be there. So. Hmm. Right on. Well, I mean, they're, they're interesting little critters. Certainly I like the Jamaicans and the Puerto Ricans and, you know, those are definitely, uh, you know, closely related critters. And I know what you mean about the musk, man. <laughs> I got one Jamaican that, no. you know, she, she likes to give it to me for sure. I actually almost pulled the trigger on some Jamaicans after I I just gotten the Dominicans. And this is before they had the female dropped the litter on me. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, they kind of look like the Dominicans. And, hey, I'm enjoying the Dominicans so far, so why not? So I almost bought a pair um, of those, but I did not. And I'm glad I did not. I <laughs> Well, Jamaican. I mean, dude, I've I've got six of them, and oh. only one of them can you you know is that way. You know, ninety percent right. of the time she's gonna unload on you. That is their deal, though. They they might bluff bite you, but they don't really hit you. Puerto Ricans that are super closely related, you know, they won't musk on you essentially right. ever. But they uh, they're funny, man. They like to bite through your eyes. <laughs> oh Jesus. It's funny. They clearly hone in on them, and they're like, yeah, okay. That that looks cool. <laughs> Come here, you big rodent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, thank you. But, uh, and the, the Jamaicans remind me a lot of, because I have a, one of my Dominicans is actually a pastel. So uh-huh. he looks a lot like that, which has me worried is that, you know, is he, well, he's a real Dominican, right? He's not like somebody who's trying to pass him off as something else. And that's why I'm not getting any babies. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would be surprised. I don't. I don't know of any of that stuff. And certainly, all that stuff is so variable. I mean, even the Jamaicans themselves. You know, I have orange ones, gold ones, ones that maybe go dark. You know, all sorts of all sorts of different stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more just the variability thing. But 
you know, and heck yeah. with those Dominicans, you get those pastels, you get the brown ones, you get the the super red ones, you yeah. know, you get a lot of different looks for sure. So, well, the the red definitely in Dominican, like if they're in direct sunlight, they look almost like orange. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's, 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 they, they fire up, they color up. So, you know, under lights are like kind of an orange. And when they, like, if they're in a cage, it's like a little bit darker. They're they're They are that dark, deep red. So, you know, sure. it is cool. And uh, I just wish I could, uh, I wish the babies are just a little bit easier. Yeah. No, I mean, well, and part of that too becomes just what they have a, I know I'm working with a couple things right now that where you just, you know, man, I'm telling you, I can give you the contact info for a dude down in Florida who goes and catches those brown and olds, you know, they're invasive species, you know, and heck, even, you know, it's a gas and pop them in the freezer and then thaw them out and it's just like feeding a rodent. Well, that's, that's where we'll get at at some point. And um, uh, I don't want, like, the problem is, is that right now we're kind of at capacity with baby cages. So this would be the time when she drops. <laughs> yeah, know, no that doubt. All, all, right? That's eighteen little little lizard eaters when you exactly. It's what I'm sensing. Like I can feel it. I'm like, there's gonna be like, it'll be after this last clutch of python eggs hatch, to which I will now have no open baby bins, and she'll drop like a litter of like ten or fifteen, and I'll be like, shit. So you know, that's <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I am prepared. Uh, mentally, not physically, but you know, I'm prepared for it. But, sure, that makes sense. Okay, we'll well, yeah, no, I'll. Well, I hope that happens, and that I'll get to raz on you timely about it. That's basically it's, where I'm. And at. that is how most of the relationship goes. I mean, that's fine. I understand that. So, and I will gladly take the razzings and all that fun stuff as I show up the little red babies. But we'll see how right. it goes. But no doubt, man. Anyways, Rob, we're into the recording session, so I say it's a and I'm and I'm short my wingman here, so I think it's a good spot to end for tonight. And it's uh, definitely want to say thank you for coming on and uh, jumping in when Eric and I were just going to have another show of just us staring at each other. You know, that's always good to have you come in and weigh in on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that part's less fun, but you know, for everyone else at least. But yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm, well, much, a man after your own heart, I am watching some, uh, been watching these ball pythons for a friend of mine for a couple of years, and I do have one, het pied, the het pied internally incubating right now, just going right after your own heart, man. That is the, that is the exact opposite of me, and you know that, but, um, Rob, why don't you <laughs> quick give us the, like, what, what, like, Tell us some of your projects that you got going on. What do you got cooking? What do you have that's currently listed? And if you want to throw out any contact info. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess rhinorath.com. I'm reworking it so that, you know, gotten a lot of feedback just saying folks don't see info on Rhino. So I think I'm going to change that up instead of being kind of everything that I got going on. It's just going to be running through the basics, you know, in terms of the Rhino stuff, in terms of, you know, as though we're a book, just, all sorts of different things and saying, Hey, maybe this is a compendium of information that people can take a look at. Uh, there are a lot of folks who are doing great work. You know, you got Terry, you got buddy, uh, who are doing a lot of stuff. My buddy, Matt is doing a lot of stuff in conjunction with Stan. So there's a lot of different things out there and hopefully that, uh, that'll be more of a resource people can use rather than just saying, Hey, you got a few 
few dinky snakes. That's the thing with the Jamaicans and the Puerto Ricans is you get into stuff where, you know, even if I produce those things, those aren't going to be for sale. Those are just going to be finding the right people and giving them to them. Um, so, yeah, I'm working on that. RhinoRats.com, it's up now, but it's not what I'm going to turn it into. Facebook, High Plains Herp, uh, myself, Rob Stone on Facebook. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that gets you in touch with me, basically, in terms of stuff going on, maybe some rhino stuff. Got to grab a female I'm looking at now. And nice. As I say, man, het pie to het pie, ball python, she's sitting on those eggs like a champ. Six eggs of slug that I pulled, uh, and she's sitting on them. She's doing good. So we'll see, you know, whether it's uh, going after your heart or not. We'll see. Maybe you'll get some uh, ball python babies on your table at Tinley after all. That has to be on Eric's side. That has to be on Eric's side. Don't you dare put them on my side. (laughs) It's all Eric. What about the chondro? So I'm also going to bring a little uh, little cross baby, a little room and aquarium baby that I'll probably, red baby that I'll bring. Uh, Maybe this, uh, maybe this Amazon basin. Chondro and Tinley? I I, I can't imagine it sticking on the table for long because Tinley seems to be like chondros do not last long on tables like Tinley. Yet there's no chondro breeders at Tinley, so I don't understand this. So I know, right? Yeah. Well, that was the genesis of this whole thing that Eric and I were talking about, and he's like, "You gotta, you gotta, you gotta bring some stuff." And I said, "Yeah, all right, man." So yeah, this thing's eating, eating fuzzies and uh, getting some white spots and little red babies. So some potential there for sure. So maybe awesome. we'll see. We'll see. Maybe take another year, but. Uh, yeah, man, that's it for me. So yeah, I run through your stuff, and uh, we'll just make fun of Eric a little bit. Yeah, I got, I, I got, I got to run through his stuff. I mean, you know, and obviously that's uh, E B Morelia at ebmorelia.com. He doesn't do any shows because he thinks he's just far too high end to deal with the local peasants at a reptile show in Pennsylvania. So his only show will be uh, October Tinley. Um, He's got E.B. Morelli on a Facebook.com. Don't, no, I'm not even going to look. He's messaging me right now, but I'm not even going to look. So it's like, um, <laughs> I'm not even, ah! even going to look. So, um, the, um, um, <clears throat> threw me off there a little bit. Obviously, you can go to, oh, God, what the hell is our website? I've totally forgotten it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eric, what's the website again? <laughs> it's MoreliaPythonRadio.com, right? I'm just, now I'm just hurting him. There we go. Good, okay, good. See, I remembered. You can go there and check out all things Morelia. Uh, obviously, <laughs> EB Morelia Facebook page. He's got some stuff for sale. I don't know what he's doing. Um, it's probably some sort of horrible cross of head for hippopotamus, you know, albino citrusy thingy. So go buy those. I hear they're nice. Um, and, uh, also you can look up on Facebook, obviously is Marley pick of the week. The thread for the calendar is still live, but you have only an hour left. So if any other posts after midnight tonight, do not count. So make sure if you've been kind of thinking about it, put it, you muted. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. You can keep yelling at me while you're muted. It's fine. I do it all the time. So, um, 
you can definitely go there and enter your pictures. We'll have the calendar competition uh, soon, and we'll announce the winners. And then we're hoping, the reason we're doing it this early is that we're going to be able to have calendars at Tinley Park in Chicago. So uh, we'll definitely have those on the table for you guys. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. We are updating it, but all the current babies have just been updated. So all the animals that are for sale currently are listed under the snakes for sale page. Uh, there are caramels. There are possible super caramels. There are caramel jags. There are also caramels, tigers, and stripes from last year's. There are HCQ jags, and there actually are some goddamn corn snakes. So they're all up there. You want to go there, fill out the baby form, get in contact with me. We'll get you set up, and we'll get animals shipped out to you. The next show that I have that I'm vending is October Tinley Park, but I will be attending the July 15th uh, Oaks, Pennsylvania show and the August something or other Hamburg reptile show. So I'll be at both of those and can deliver babies free of charge. That's all we have for everybody tonight. Thank you again to Rob for coming on and dealing with us. And um, what we will say is we will catch you all back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night. Eric, turn it off. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.